0: One of the things that we're doing at uh, GSA and the Federal Acquisition Service is we're trying to be as proactive as possible in terms of the provenance of uh, of the equipment that our customer agencies, that your your agencies, are buying using GSA contracts. Kind of controversially, we're actually removing the refurbished products sin from uh, from GSA Schedule 70 because. The refurbished product, you can't guarantee the provenance of refurbished products, and um, and so uh, in order to um, reduce the risk and reduce the exposure of federal agencies to the to the supply chain risk, the uh, the, the, the essentially the legitimate gray market is—we're we're trying to dial that down by not providing a marketplace for the refurbished products. There are steps that that customers should take in terms of making sure that they're buying from reputable resellers, licensed resellers. When a a manufacturer does not sell directly to the government, they usually have licensed resellers, and certainly I would encourage uh, federal agencies to use those licensed resellers so that they're reducing their risk of getting gray market or counterfeit goods. We actively pursue uh, reports of, of counterfeit uh, technology in the products that people buy from GSA. And when we find out that, uh, that vendors are selling counterfeit goods, we take action against them. We take them off the schedule, we shut them down, we involve law enforcement where appropriate. So um, we do do everything we can to help our, uh, our customer agencies get legitimate products in specific, because we're talking about supply chain. We're working closely with NIST and DOD on supply chain risk management initiatives. GSA, the Federal Acquisition Service, now has a senior-level executive on supply chain, and and clearly the um, the Secure Technology Act that was just passed puts some specific responsibilities on GSA. Uh, GSA has a seat on the um, Federal Acquisition FASC
1: Supply Chain. Thank you,
0: Council. Council and some specific responsibilities under that act that, that we, um, we've we got deadlines, we've gotta have a report done by the end of this year on the steps that we're taking, so.
1: All right, excellent, there's plenty to follow up with you, but I'm gonna to turn to Emory, talk about energy. One of the things that we've really kind of embraced this year in uh, energy is kind of looking at what are the hard problems in cybersecurity? And one of the ones that we see over and over again is how do we make informed decisions? How do we evaluate and create a defendable budget? How do we identify a strong investment strategy? And I think we've talked about it for years. What what does it mean to buy down risk? What does it mean to, uh, you know, uh, defer risks or the cost of risk through new investments and so forth? And I think, you know, over the years, there's been a lot of conversations of, well, you know, we have a red risk or we have a yellow risk or we have a green risk, um, you know. And what we're really trying to do at at Energy is trying to change that conversation. So in the bottom line is, you know, we're trying to figure out how best to apply quantified risk management. How can we evaluate whether or not a $1 million investment, is it gonna give me a million dollars in reduced risk to do a modernization project or is it going to give me a $30,000 reduction in risk? You've gotta be able to have those conversations and I think you know, at energy, uh, we're, we're looking at how historically we've spent a lot of time teaching the CFO and the COO about how do we talk about IT security. It's like, well, we've barely scratched the surface of teaching security people how to talk dollars and cents and probabilities and the exposure of that. So we're really kind of embracing quantified risk management. And I think what I hear a lot in in audiences and stuff, Um, or or just in small groups when we talk about it, it was like, how can you do that? Like, you can't quantify national security. You can't quantify risk in that manner. It's all guesswork, you know, or we don't have enough data or enough measurements to make that happen. And, And the real answer is you're making those decisions today. You're not necessarily making good decisions. You're making relatively uninformed decisions. So maybe we won't get quantified risk management right out of the gate. Maybe we don't have all the data points that we need right now. But we can start thinking more smartly about how we make decisions. So if we want to talk about supply chain, or we want to talk about investments in other areas in big data or AI, we kind of say, well, what is the, based on the value of the data that we're protecting and and the risk to national security, let's look at what those investments do and let's make more meaningful discussions. Let's talk about the outcomes of our investments that we've already made. So I think what we're looking at this year is how can we make smarter and better decisions rather than just keep going on gut feeling or marketing pitches or a general consensus in the room that that's a good idea and then have these really difficult conversations. Let's put dollars to it. Maybe they're not perfect, but we can't get, let analysis paralysis stop us from trying to move forward. So, you know, I think as we're looking at supply chain, operational visibility, shifting to the cloud, we're looking at those investments again, and we're saying, are they giving us the biggest bang for our buck? Our budget isn't growing by 100% every year. So, how do I make those conscious decisions? And what were the factors that went into that decision so I can have more meaningful conversations? Can I make CISOs more successful? Can I make IT security people more successful in those conversations? So that's kind of like an overriding thing that we're doing as we're trying to do our modernization efforts and um, you know, embrace the cloud and moving forward. In many ways, that's the holy grail of cybersecurity because you're always trying to prove that, you, you can never prove the negative, right? If, if we invest here, we'll stop X amount of attacks, or we'll, because of this investment, we stopped the, uh, this nation state from attacking. Uh, it's very hard to prove. So when you talk about quantifying risk, are we looking at what kinds of metrics are you thinking about, or what kinds of, how are you quantifying, I guess is the question, versus metric? We actually did a huge market survey of leading vendors in this when we were looking at commercial and other solutions. Just for awareness, we've gone with FAIR, We've looked at Octave, we've looked at a number of other models that are out there, and we're really trying to say, you know, can we put a dollar value, can we put a magnitude to the risk there, and can we put a probability to that risk? Those are the two key things. You know, can we quantify, um, for example, our resistance strength? Um, When we look at resistance strength, can we bring in new and novel ideas such as crowdsourced pen testing to help us evolve our our measure of defense? So it's about changing the rubric under how we talk about risk. And we're just still in the infancy session of, you know, running pilots and finding examples that really talk to us. And, you know, two of our recent ones were, you know, we were moving from a hosted social media platform to a cloud-hosted platform, and we wanted to evaluate what the total risk of doing that was. Or we're looking at, in another example, do we want to make this investment to keep something alive while we're migrating to a new platform, or what's the risk of you know, treating it as end of life and, and using that investment on the, in, on the improvement? So you know, I don't know if I would say there's a unique thing, but we are using FAIR, and we are trying to explore the limitations of that, and we find limitations.
0: Right now, Amazon is offering some amazing extra perks that come with a job offer. If you start a warehouse job, you can get a $1,000 sign-on bonus. That means you start earning a paycheck right away, plus you get extra cash to use before the holidays. Applying is so easy, you don't even need an interview. It's never been so rewarding to start an hourly job that's close to home. So what are you waiting for? To join the team today, visit Amazon.com slash sign-on bonus. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.